I'm Steve Duke and this is the Two Roads Podcast. Today I'm going to answer a question that has been on my mind for a very long time and that I've wanted to get a good answer to. And that question is, what does research say about what a dream job actually looks like? We all want to work in a dream job, right? But what does that actually mean? Like what makes a job a dream job? Some people might say it's about being able to do what you're passionate about. Other people might say it's about getting paid well or not having to work that much or not having too much stress. But I was always so frustrated about not actually knowing what constitutes a great job. What type of job will actually, in general, lead to somebody being more satisfied with the work that they do and the life that they have. I'm a man of science, right? I studied engineering and this question is something that I was always like, this, we can study this, like we can find out what traits of a job make somebody more likely to be satisfied with their work and their lives. And we can find what doesn't have any impact at all. By the way, spoiler, this is especially interesting when we learn about the things that we think will make us happy or make a dream job, but actually has no impact at all. Anyway, this week, I stumbled upon a wonderful piece of research that gave me all of these answers. It's by an organization called 80,000 Hours, who I would highly recommend you check out if you haven't already. And they reviewed three decades of research into what actually makes for a satisfying life and career. And they drew on over 60 studies for this research. And so in today's episode, I break down for you their findings on the six things that will actually make something a dream job. Now, if you've ever considered what job would actually make you happy, this episode is going to be incredibly helpful for you. You can use it to think through your career or even as a checklist to assess different roles. If these are questions that you're considering, you're definitely going to want to check out the Divergence program. Divergence is a four-week program that I've created to give you clarity on the next steps in your career. By the end of the program, you'll have a super clear view on what you want to do for your job, You'll spend time learning about yourself, your strengths, your values, and what you enjoy doing. We'll go pretty deep on all of this. And by the end of it, you'll have a lot of clarity in terms of the next step. So if that's something that you're interested in, you should go and check it out. I've been helping people navigate their careers for a few years now, helping them to find out what they want to do and then to make that a reality. It's actually the reason I started this podcast in the first place. And it's the reason I built the Divergence program to try and get that to more people. It's a lot of the stuff that I wish I had a few years ago. I genuinely believe everyone deserves to do something that they love. When I hear people doing a job that they hate or that they don't find satisfying, it makes me really sad. And so that's what I'm trying to do with this podcast and with the Divergence program. So go check it out. You can enroll today. We start on November 15th, so it's just next week. Um, and it'll run for four weeks. So essentially before Christmas, by the time the program finishes up, you'll have clarity on what it is you want to do with your career. The link's in the show notes. Anyway, for now, let's get into episode 40 of the Two Shout Roads podcast. Shout out to all the motherfuckers that don't give a fuck about us. Now we here, all right? Okay, so what does the research tell us about what actually makes something a dream job? And again, I got to thank 80,000 hours for looking at all of these 60 studies and taking out the top 
six insights for what actually makes a dream job. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through each of the six. And then at the end, we'll actually talk a little bit about maybe one or two of the things that we might think would be up there. But actually, the research shows doesn't have a big have a big impact on our satisfaction in a job. So number one, the number one thing that we're going to look at today is does the work engage you? Look, when we think about a job, we often focus on a handful of high level details. What's the job title? What's the salary? Who's the company? Uh, Where's the office? What are the responsibilities? But what actually matters, and this is backed by the research, this isn't just my opinion, is what we do on a day-to-day, hour-to-hour basis. Engaging work, what is that? Well, it's work that draws you in. It's work that holds your attention and gives you a sense of flow. I fucking love flow. When I'm in flow, well, I don't even realize in flow. I guess that's <laughs> the interesting thing about it. But when it happens is I'll start doing something and then suddenly it's like two hours later, I've forgotten to eat, I've forgotten to drink, I've forgotten to stand up, go to the toilet. And I think that's bliss. I often believe that one of the main purposes of our life is to just be in a flow state as often as possible. But that's a discussion for another day. But this idea of being in flow and being engaged is a big determinant of whether you find your work satisfying. So if you're thinking about that, right, how do you get an answer on if a job engages you or not? Maybe you can do this, right? Imagine either the job you're in or a potential job that you're considering doing. And think about taking a snapshot of yourself five times a day, just at random times throughout the day. What are you doing at that point? Are you on a call? Are you working on your laptop? Are you building an Excel model? Are you writing something? Are you writing an email? Are you out somewhere meeting somebody like what specifically are you doing and then ask yourself like are you engaged in this are you present or are you not are you checking your phone are you wondering when the meeting is going to end or what you're going to have for dinner that's going to give you a really good sense for whether that work engages you and if we have a if we find ourselves engaged a lot in our work that's a really good sign that we're going to find it satisfying if we're not i've been in those jobs too where we're not engaged, we're either bored or we're just not interested in what's going on, probably not going to be enjoying our work. So that's the number one question. Does the work engage you? If it does, that's a big determinant of having a satisfying job. All right, number two, can you live the life that you want to live outside of work? Each of us has our own philosophy on what makes a good life. Now, for some of us, that might be that work is a big part of our lives. We believe work is important and that a lot of our meaning from life is derived by the work that we do. And there's, of course, absolutely nothing wrong with that perspective. We might believe that doing meaningful, satisfying work is is just really important. But for others, it may not be. For others, it might be about getting time to spend with spend time with friends and family or maybe that you know life's all about art and creativity or sport or travel and adventure whatever it is that we think life is about whatever is important to us what the research shows is that it's important that our job allows us to live that life that we want to live if we think life is about adventure and travel and then we work a job where we only get four weeks holidays a year which we have to take at specific times We're not going to be able to live that adventurous life where we go and travel all the time. And that's going to create this kind of conflict. And so this might sound obvious, but I think a lot of the times we ignore this. We start with the job and we say, oh, I want to go and do that job. 
And then we try and build our life around the job where we should really do it the other way around. We should figure out the kind of life that we want to live and then build our job into that. Again, sounds obvious, but, you know, there's lots of good, obvious advice out there that we don't necessarily take. And so this is backed up by the research, right? If you want to, one of the most important things about having a job that satisfies you is that it allows you to live the life that you want to live outside of work. In the Divergence program, we do an exercise to actually help figure all this out. And so what we do is we do one where we develop our life view. Now that might sound very lofty and philosophical, but essentially what we're trying to do is write down like, what do we think our lives are about, right? These kind of things I was talking about earlier, is it about spending time with friends and family? Is it actually, you know, about doing some really meaningful work, leaving an impact on our lives, like leaving, leaving a legacy? What is our kind of view around what a good life looks like? And then separately, we do something similar for work. So we develop a work view. What do we think the role of work is? What does good work look like? What does bad work look like? And we kind of create these separately. And then what we do is we reflect on them and we look for conflicts across the two of them. So am I saying something in my life view that's really not stacking up against what I'm saying in my work view and that they're always going to be in conflict? And so what we then do is try and say, okay, well, we need to make sure that there isn't massive conflicts between the two of these. They need to be somewhat in harmony because if they are, then it allows us to have a job that, yes, can satisfy all of the things that we think is important about work, but also allows us to do all the things in our lives that we think are meaningful and important outside of work. And so, again, it's backed up by the research. So that's number two. Can you live the life that you want to live outside of work? If you can, that's going to be a big determinant that that job is a satisfying job for you. Number three, this is an interesting one. This surprised me when I saw it on the list. And basically the question is, are you good at it? Are you good at your job? If we're good at our job, we get a greater sense of achievement. And the psychological research shows that this sense of achievement is a key ingredient to feeling satisfied in life. Now, we all, I hope, I hope we all know that feeling. When we've done something great at work, or I guess it could be outside of work, and we know it was great. And we're just like, fuck yeah, I did that. I did that. I, I, I know I smashed it and I was good at that thing and it turned out great. And that is such a good feeling to have. And so if we have a job where we're good at it, we're going to get that feeling more often, right? But yes, we want to feel stretched. We don't want to be doing stuff that's super, super easy all the time. Because to come back to point one about engaging, if something is way, way too easy, we're actually not engaged. We just get bored. But if something is way, way, way too hard, uh, we, we really struggle to do that thing. And we definitely don't as often get that sense of achievement and feel like we're really kind of mastering something, right? So this is a lot about engagement and flow. What they talk about is kind of being in that zone of competence where like you're able to do it, but it's not too easy for you. And so again, backed up by the research, if you're good at it, you're going to do well, you're going to have a sense of achievement, you're going to feel good. But there's a second interesting thing about being good at a job, which I hadn't thought about either. And this is that if you do something you're good at, you're going to develop the power to negotiate for other areas of your job, right? If you're good at something, you have negotiation power, you can go into your boss or you can go into whoever you're working for and you can say, look, I'm good. I know I'm good. And this company needs me. So 
I, I, I want a higher salary or I want more holidays every year or I want these benefits. And if you're really good at something, you've got a much stronger negotiation power when it comes to doing those things. Think about the kind of alternative world, right? Say you're an artist, but you're a really terrible, terrible artist. You're not going to get paid anything and you're not going to be able to negotiate for anything better either. Like, who's going to give you something if you're absolutely terrible at something, right? Again, it sounds super obvious, but that ability to be good at something and to use that to translate it into other things that we want in our life is a big determinant of having a happy, satisfying life. Now, research shows that if you're not good at something yet, that shouldn't stop you pursuing that career, pursuing that job, right? Just because you're not good at something now doesn't mean that you can't go into that job and that you won't find it satisfying. But what you do need is you need the potential to get good at it. I'm not going to become a basketball player, right? Um, if I went and tried to do that, even if I love basketball, like if I practiced 24 hours a day for 10 years, I would never make it, right? Um, so and you need the potential to get good at something. It's not just about how good you are now. Again, this is an, explore, an area that we explore in detail um, in the Divergence Program. And I know I'm plugging the program a lot, but it's actually just because this is true and this is what we do. And um, it's it kind of takes... What the program does a lot is it kind of takes this kind of research and theory that is all out there, but tries to translate it into like very practical exercises that you can actually use in your life, right? So we do this in Divergence um, because it's not actually easy to know what your strengths are or what you might be good at in the future. There's also a great essay on the 80,000 hours blog, which I will link in the show notes, which is about how to understand your strengths and use that to kind of find jobs. Okay, so that's number three. We're halfway through. We've got number one, does the work engage you? Number two, can you live the life that you want to live outside of work? Number three, are you good at it? Number four, do you have good relationships with your colleagues? So the research says, turns out having a work bestie is actually pretty important. The research shows it's important to be friends with at least a couple of people at your work. And again, when we think about this, it kind of makes sense. One of the best jobs I ever did was I was a barman in a nightclub in my hometown in Gorey. Anybody who's from there will know O2 and have very fond or um, perhaps tragic memories of O2. But either way, it's working behind a bar. It's tough work. Like you'd only start at 10. You'd finish at like three. You're dealing with really, really drunk people it's messy it's kind of shit I got paid shit I would work like from 10 p.m till like 3 a.m and maybe like make like 42 euro or something like that and you go home at, at you know you get home at half three and you can't sleep um and also another horrible detail <laughs> for anybody who works in a bar will know this but at the end of it like you're you're just soaked like your socks and your shoes are soaked with like <laughs> beer and spirits and grossness anyway so on all objective terms doesn't really sound like a great job but i was working with two of my best mates and it was one of the best jobs i ever had we just have so much fun and it's really really enjoyable and it's the same like you know in all jobs if you've got a couple of people who you really get on with it can make a job really really enjoyable it's the same when i was at mckinsey i was really lucky that 
one of my best friends who I grew up with worked at McKinsey and I had another guy who I became really, really strong friends with. And it was just so nice. He'd go into the office, the three of us would kind of sit in the same room, we'd hang out and be able to kind of help each other. And that just makes work so, so enjoyable. But on that point of helping each other, what the research says is, you know, yes, it's important to have a couple of people that you can be good friends with, but you don't need to become friends with everyone. You don't even need to like all of your colleagues. So the research shows that perhaps the most important factor in is whether you can get help from your colleagues when you run into problems. So this idea of kind of social support among your colleagues was one of the biggest predictors of job satisfaction. And I thought that was really interesting. So you kind of want to work in a place where, okay, maybe you're not best friends with everybody, but if you're stuck, you feel like you can go to people, they can help you out. There's kind of that culture and environment uh, that is quite supportive of each other. Another interesting thing is that sometimes you have people who are um, disagree disagreeable, right? Like they're different from you. They may not agree with you. You might not be like great friends with them. Um, but they might often be the people who give you really useful feedback um, provided they care about your interests. Uh, and these, I, I actually love working with these people because they can be very, very direct and, and offer a different set of opinions um, to what you might be used to or the opinions that you might hold yourself. And these are really, really good people to help you develop um, because they give you an insight that, you know, you don't usually get from people who, your best friends are never going to tell you usually um, maybe some of the harsher stuff that you might need to hear. So having these people in work has been shown to also be um, very, very helpful. So the takeaway here is if you're considering a job, get to know the people in the culture of a place before you go and work there. Seriously, this is so, so important. Get to know your boss, get to know your colleagues, get to know who it is that you'll be working there. What's the culture like? Is there this kind of culture of supporting each other? I actually go through this in a lot more detail on episode 34 of the podcast, which is all about how to make better career choices. And I talk about if you're considering a job, it's really important to know the people. And I kind of give some of the top tips for how you can actually practically go and do that to kind of de-risk that job decision before you make it. So go check that out if you want to find my tips for testing out people before you go and work with them. All right, that's number four. Number five, very important one. Are there any red flags? So the research shows that being satisfied with your job is not just about having all of these like great things that I've mentioned so far in terms of working with good people and doing something you're good at, being engaged, all that sort of stuff. It's actually also about the absence of anything really, really awful. So this could be something like a super long commute or really, really terrible working hours or pay you feel that's unfair or a horrible boss. We all know what that's like. If you've had a horrible boss, everything else can be amazing at work. But if you've got a boss that's just an asshole, it's just takes away from so much of it and so you know we don't want to cover over any potential red flags when we're thinking about a job unfortunately like if everything else looks great we might say oh do you know what it's fine like my boss is a dick but like everything else is great so I'll just like stick it out I don't want to give it up that might be right but ideally the evidence shows that if you want to have something that is really satisfying you don't have these red flags right I know that's an ideal world of course there's there's no like perfect 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 job but you want to check out and and don't overlook these red flags if they do exist that's five so what's the last one the last one's an interesting one the last one which the research shows 
is a big determinant in whether you find a job satisfying or not. And whether a job will make you happy is does your work help others? And it actually doesn't matter if you're an altruistic person or not, right? I've thought about this a lot over my career. It's like, should I be doing something that helps others or not? And I would often think, oh, well, you know, am I the type of person who who really cares about this and who is super altruistic? And what I've actually figured out is it doesn't matter whether you are or not. The research shows that if you do something that you feel helps others, you'll be happier. So let's think about two groups of jobs. So in job group one, we'll have a couple of jobs, say like a revenue analyst, a fashion designer, and a TV newscast director. These were the this group that... Um, went through this um, piece of research, right? So this is group one. And then group two, they had people, which was like a fire fire service officer, presuming that's like a fireman or a firewoman, um, a nurse, a midwife, and a neurosurgeon, right? And they surveyed these two groups and talk, asking them about their job and what they found um, satisfying about it or, or not. And what they found was in group one, so the revenue analyst, fashion designer, newscast director, they found that over 75% of people in group one said that they didn't find their work meaningful. But in group two, there are nurses, midwives, fire people. Almost everyone in group two said that they found their jobs meaningful. And the key difference, of course, between these two groups is that group two was all about roles where you're helping other people. Now, the question is, does finding your job meaningful actually make you happier? Does it lead to increased satisfaction about your job? Again, the evidence says Yes, yes, it does. There's a growing body of evidence that helping others is a key ingredient for life satisfaction. People who volunteer are less depressed and healthier on average. They did this meta-analysis of 23 randomized studies, which showed that performing acts of kindness makes the giver happier, right? Not the receiver of the act of kindness, the giver happier. And they did a global survey, which found that people who donate to charity are as satisfied with their lives as those who earn twice as much as them all of the other things being held equal. So helping others, it's not the only route to a meaningful career, but it's kind of widely accepted by researchers that it's one of the most powerful for something that's satisfying. Think about this in your own life. When you help somebody out, it just feels good and it feels good in a different kind of way. It's kind of this deeper and more satisfying kind of feeling. And so that's one of the reasons that it's important to have in your job. If you're doing something that helps others, you're more likely to feel satisfied with that job. Okay, so there's the six. Again, quick rundown from the top. Does the work engage you? Number two, can you live the life you want to live outside of work? Number three, are you good at it? Number four, do you have good relationships with your colleagues? Number five, are there any red flags? And then number six, does your work help others? So if you've got a job, if you're thinking about your own job or any potential job, work through those six and see what they look like. To wrap up this episode, we'll talk about a couple of things that you might have been wondering if I was going to mention and that don't really have much of an impact on whether you find a job satisfying or not. The first one is money. Now, you may have heard this research that is always kind of referenced, which is about basically they did in the US and they said after you, said, after you kind of reach $70,000 per year, uh, additional income does not really make you happier. And that largely holds to be true, right? If you are in a very low income bracket, having additional income, which basically takes the stress of money off of you, that will make you happier. <laughs> so if you're kind of in that area and um, that that is tough and like 
finding additional income through your job is going to help. But once you kind of get to that level of 70,000 US dollars, you know, going from 70 to 100K to 150K, it says it doesn't make you happier, right? Now, I listened to this wonderful podcast um, with Sampar and Shampuri, and they reference this and they say, yeah, like, you know, everybody always says this, but I think I'm just going to check for myself. And, you know, often that is how I feel about it. But if you want it to be purely scientific and purely evidence-based, a lot of the research will say that, you know, additional money and additional income above a certain threshold will actually not increase your satisfaction with life um, and certainly not anything above say the other six items that I would have mentioned as well there's another one as well which you might people might think crop up which is like you know I want a job at low stress right I don't want to be stressed out and so this is actually quite an interesting thing so when we look at stress what we find is that the having a very undemanding job is is bad right so essentially where there's no stress that's just that's just boring and then having demands that greatly exceed your ability is also bad too because that actually gets into the realm where there's harmful stress so we don't want to be at either end of that curve but the sweet spot is where we have demands placed on you that match your abilities right so that might feel at times stressful because you know you do still have a lot of demands on you but it's actually a fulfilling challenge. And we find that that actually, when you're at that point, you know, it actually doesn't impact uh, job satisfaction, like that sort of stress where you, the stress that you're able to actually deal with. And so one kind of widely supported explanation of this is that if you have a greater sense of control, right, your ability to kind of set your own schedules and determine how you tackle the challenges, that this kind of can protect you against like the demands of certain positions. And so this is what they found when they looked at people who would have, you would typically think would have like really, really stressful jobs, like very high kind of commanders in the military or in government um, or in, you know, in jobs, like the kind of executives, like C-level, like levels. It's like, yes, they have a huge amount of demands, but they also have a lot of control over how they meet those demands and an autonomy around that. So basically, instead of seeking to avoid stress, what you actually want to do is like seek out a supportive context and meaningful work. And then you can like challenge yourself within that. And I can back this kind of up from some of my own experiences. I did a consulting job before for a few months um, with a nonprofit that was like super low stress, right? Really worked short hours. We had Lots of breaks, long lunches, knock off early, go surfing. It was like really, really at that end where um, really very, very little demands on my time for those couple of months. And for the first two weeks, it was amazing. I used to knock off early. I would go surfing. I would have all this like free time. And then week three happened and I was like, this is shit. This is, I was like bored at work. I was kind of sitting around there, bored out of my mind, looking at my laptop, waiting for the day to end. And if you've ever been in a job where you're doing this, you know what it's like. I used to work in a cinema and on quiet days when you'd have super low stress, I'd be watching the clock, tick by minute by minute, just, you know, begging to get out of that place. But then on a really busy day, say it was a Saturday evening when it was absolutely packed, you know, Sure, it's more stressful. You've got hundreds of customers coming in all looking for good popcorn. And I made good popcorn. But time would fly by, right? And this was good. So this kind of idea of like, I just want a job with low stress um, typically doesn't bear out and doesn't really have much impact in terms of what makes a good 
job or what makes your job satisfying for you. Okay, so there you go. There's the six questions that you should ask yourself if you're looking to use evidence and research to understand what makes a great job and a couple of the things that actually don't have that much of an impact on job satisfaction. If you want more content like this, you can go and follow me. You can follow me on socials so on LinkedIn. Just follow me on my personal account. I've been posting a lot there recently. It's actually where the original idea for this episode came from. And also you can get me on Instagram at the two roads pod. And if you're interested in divergence, which I've talked a bit about today, it's kicking off next week. So it's kind of your last chance to enroll and grab the last few spots. So you can go and click the link in the show notes and check that out. Otherwise, I'll see you back here next week for episode 41 of the Two Roads podcast.